This is Optimal Finance Daily, episode 1492. Myths and Misconceptions About Financial Independence and Early Retirement, part one, by J.D. Roth of GetRichSlowly.org. Hello, Podbean listeners. Welcome to this special pre-released episode of Optimal Finance Daily. I'm your host and personal finance enthusiast, Diana Merriam. This is a narration-style podcast where I serenade you with the sweet sounds of personal finance knowledge from some of the best blogs on the planet, with the author's permission, of course. It's as if all these bloggers wrote these amazing songs about money, and I get to perform the covers. And quick note, today's episode features a bit of a longer article, so we're breaking it up into three parts. So if you'd like to hear how this article concludes, be sure to come back on April 11th and 12th for parts two and three. We address so much on this show, from saving to investing to debt reduction and more, every single day of the year in 10 minutes or less. And you probably already know many of the incredible authors who contribute to this show, people like Mr. Money Mustache, Paula Pant, J.D. Roth, and Ramit Sethi, to name a few. Listen in to find out why Investopedia recently named Optimal Finance Daily as one of the top 10 personal finance podcasts. Then hit subscribe and let's start optimizing your life. Myths and Misconceptions About Financial Independence and Early Retirement, Part 1, by J.D. Roth of GetRichSlowly.org. As the financial independence and early retirement movement, or FIRE movement for short, has gained popularity, some myths and misconceptions have sprung up about what it entails. Too many people make assumptions about what the FIRE movement is and what it's made of. A lot of folks think the FIRE movement is cultish. Some think that financial independence and early retirement are only for rich white people, or more specifically, for white men in the tech industry. Others say that early retirement is only possible with a high income, or you can only do this if you're so frugal it hurts. And of course, there are folks like Susie Orman who hate, hate, hate the FIRE movement because they believe you need millions in order to retire, early or otherwise. I'll be honest. Each objection and complaint about financial independence contains a grain of truth, but each objection and complaint misses the point in some important ways. Today, let's look at some of these myths and misconceptions about financial independence and early retirement and explore why these myths and misconceptions are myths and misconceptions. What is financial independence? Before we dive in, here are the basics of FIRE for those who are unfamiliar. Financial independence and early retirement are two terms for the same concept. You've saved enough money that in theory, you shouldn't ever have to work for income again, unless you want to. We talk about financial independence because too many people wanna argue over the definition of retirement. Roughly speaking, you can consider yourself financially independent and able to retire early when your investments equal 25 times your annual spending. There's some nuance to this, but that's a fine rule of thumb. So if you spend $50,000 per year, you've achieved FI when you have 1.25 million in your investment accounts. If you spend 20,000 per year, you need 500,000 invested. If you spend 200,000 per year, you need 5 million. Financial independence is achieved by creating a gap between your earning and spending. This gap, your savings rate, is the key to achieving all financial goals, especially early retirement. 
The larger your savings rate, the sooner you'll build the life of your dreams. That's it. That's all there is to it. It's just math, plus hard work and patience. While researching this article, I found an October 2018 survey of the FIRE movement produced by TD Ameritrade. The Harris Poll talked to 1,503 Americans about their money and about early retirement. Then TD Ameritrade interpreted the results. This is the only systematic survey about FIRE that I know of, and I'm going to refer to it throughout this article. Financial independence isn't possible with kids. The most common misconception about FIRE is that it's not possible if you have children. When I explain the idea to people I meet, this is often the first thing they say. Well, that works great if you're single, but it just won't work if you have a family. Parenthood is an expensive proposition. The USDA estimates that it costs roughly $250,000 to raise a child, and that does not include college. Obviously, this means that if you have children and you want to retire early or achieve other financial goals, you'll need to earn more money. But children don't make financial independence impossible. In fact, from my experience, most folks in the world of FIRE have kids. It's the norm rather than the exception. Kids are only a barrier to your financial goals if you allow them to be. And the reality is that many people in the FIRE community take great pleasure in their children, especially in educating them about how money works. Doug Norman recently published a book called Raising Your Money Savvy Family for Next Generation Financial Independence. That's a mouthful, but the gist is FIRE can be a family pursuit. Financial independence requires extreme frugality. Probably the second most common misconception is that financial independence requires extreme frugality. I don't want to live like a miser, people tell me, and then they dismiss the fire movement without fully understanding it. While thrift is certainly a virtue, it is not a requirement for achieving financial independence. If you have a high income, it's perfectly possible to retire early even while enjoying a luxurious lifestyle during your working years. But a good salary is required for this to work. If your income is average or less, then some degree of frugality is needed, no doubt. Again, financial independence is all about math. There are only two variables here, what you earn and what you spend. If you can't adjust one variable to boost your savings rate, then you'll have to adjust the other but ideally, you'll adjust both. For the sake of completeness, I should point out that there's actually a third variable involved. What you do with your savings is also important, so your return on investments is another factor. But these are the three fundamental variables of financial independence, what you earn, what you spend, and the rate of return you earn on the difference. Believe it or not, the aforementioned FIRE survey found just one key difference between those who are and those who aren't on the path to financial independence. Five folks spend about 7% less of their income on housing and put about 7% more of their income into saving and investments. These numbers are more striking if you frame them differently. FIRE folks allocate 30% less of their budget to housing but set aside 78% more of their budget for investing. So what's the source of the misconception that financial independence requires hardcore thrift? I think it probably stems from the fact that two of the earliest proponents of the modern FIRE movement were Jacob from Early Retirement Extreme and Pete from Mr. Money Mustache, both of whom advocate extreme frugality as the path to wealth. They're not wrong, but they're not the only ones who are right. 
financial independence requires a high income. The flip side of the extreme frugality myth is the belief that financial independence requires a six-figure salary. Now, this myth is grounded in reality. Most folks in the FIRE movement do have high incomes. They're doctors or software engineers or entrepreneurs, or they work multiple jobs so that they can earn more. The TD Ameritrade survey makes this clear. While it is possible to pursue FI with a low income, it's much easier to do so with more money. There's a reason for this. You reach FIRE by increasing the gap between your earning and spending. Thus, a high income absolutely accelerates the process. That said, there are plenty of people who reach financial independence without making millions of dollars. This is only possible though if you keep your expenses low. Remember, this is all about math. You want to increase the difference between your income and expenses. If your income is low and you can't or won't increase it, then your only option is to cut expenses. Also, I hope it's obvious to you that if both of these beliefs exist, fire is only possible through extreme frugality and fire is only possible with a high income, then neither is likely accurate because that's the truth. In reality, financial independence is best achieved by finding balance, by doing whatever possible to both increase earnings while decreasing expenses. Ultimately, your aim is to increase the gap between the two to increase your savings rate. How you choose to do this depends on your own strengths, goals, and circumstances. Let's look at some actual data. According to the TD Ameritrade study about financial independence, FIRE folks take both approaches, increasing income and reducing expenses, but one is a clear favorite. Of those surveyed, nearly twice as many people prefer to increase their savings rate by cutting expenses rather than increasing income. From my experience, this is largely due to the fact that it's easier to cut costs than to boost earning power. If you were motivated, you could slash your non-housing expenses drastically in only a couple of weeks, but it takes time and planning to increase your income. To be continued. You just listened to part one of the post titled Myths and Misconceptions About Financial Independence and Early Retirement by J.D. Roth of GetRichSlowly.org. I love this article because JD and I have a real meeting of the minds on this topic. We recognize that the FIRE movement gets a lot of criticism, and some of it really is due to misconceptions of what the FIRE movement even is. And those misconceptions are totally understandable. They're likely driven by the people sharing their personal experiences on popular blogs. When someone shares their FIRE journey, it's easy to assume that it plays out the same way for everyone but I've found that most people who identify as part of the FIRE movement simply aren't blogging about it. And so it's led to the most extreme examples in the movement getting the most attention and defining what the pursuit of FIRE looks like. Spoiler alert, it looks different for everyone because personal finance is personal. I also wanted to point out that there is no governing body for the FIRE movement. There are no rules and no one is handing out membership cards. There's a general consensus on the need to grow the gap between your income and expenses and endless ways to go about that. So if you enjoyed part one of this article, make sure you subscribe to Optimal Finance Daily and come back to listen to parts two and three, which will launch April 11th and 12th. And if you enjoy this content rooted in the FIRE movement, I also wanna let you know that I produce an event called the Economy Conference, which is also known as the TED Talks of the FIRE movement. 
and some people even call it a party about money. Early bird tickets are available now for our next event being held at the University of Cincinnati on November 13th and 14th. And J.D. Roth, who wrote the article you heard today, is going to be there with me this year. Just head over to economyconference.com, and that's economy with an M-E at the end, not an M-Y, because I'm so clever. There you can check out the incredible speakers I've lined up thus far and grab your ticket today. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe and come back for parts two and three of this article on Optimal Finance Daily, where your optimal life awaits.